what, when, who, where, and how. These are all very important questions to ask about your own business. But have you stopped to ask why? So many businesses start and lead with all the technical specs of their business, product, or service. But maybe you should think more about why your business exists and the problems it will solve for your customers and clients. But how exactly do you do that? Find that out and more on this episode of Forward Thinking. Hey everyone, I'm Darren Lake, the audio content manager here at Medigy. Welcome to Forward Thinking, a podcast by Medigy. In this series, we speak with inspirational business owners, brands, and marketing experts to learn from their experiences on the front line and uncover what it takes to build a world-class business. With the commoditization of e-businesses, Amazon Australia topping 1 billion in sales during 2020, and online sales booming during lockdown, brand differentiation has never been more relevant. In this episode, founder and creative director of Process Creative, Andy Homan, takes a look into the shifting marketing strategies of e-business in the industry and drops some golden slides for you to download too. A few things you'll learn in this episode. High level but simple best practices if you are an e-commerce business, how to assess your business's differentiation and value in the market, the do's and don'ts of your direct mail marketing strategy, marketing tools that can help you as an SME, and so much more. Let's get into the conversation with Medici's head of content, Brendan Hill and Andy Homan. Andy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, thanks for coming in. Looking forward to diving into all things e-commerce today. But first of all, can you tell us a bit more about your company, Process Creative? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I kind of knew straight out after uni, you know, I, I come from a design background, but always kind of dabbled with code. But I always kind of had that kind of entrepreneurial kind of spirit kind of thing. And uh, after about a year and a bit working for an agency, decided that, uh, you know, I wanted to have a go at trying to do it on my own. And uh, I think, you know, I looked around at the space at the time and and I think even to this day, it's it's still to a degree, still the case. Um, they just seemed as though that there was a bit of a gap in the market for, you know, a digital agency that really kind of made a conscious effort to position itself in the middle. But w- what I mean by that is back in those days, if you wanted to go and find a website, typically there's, you know, design agencies who are phenomenally great at making websites look really, really pretty, or alternatively, you can go down the, the tech route and you get these amazingly well-built websites, but, you know, they make your eyes bleed. Um, mm. So, I, I, you know, I'd, I just thought that there'd be a bit of a gap there to kind of position, build really, really great sites that are well-built, but really, really well-designed as well. And um, a lot's changed, but I think that's the one thing that's kind of uh, remained consistent throughout. About eight years ago, we made the decision to focus exclusively on Shopify, the SaaS-based mm. platform, e-com platform, which was relatively fortuitous given the, the big shift uh, recently. Everything seems to be going in that direction towards SaaS. Mm. and towards e-commerce more generally. Mm. Um, So, you know, we've kind of witnessed firsthand, we were kind of pretty well positioned to ride off the back of that growth. And um, yeah, it's an amazing kind of industry. Everything seems to be changing at breakneck speed, particularly at the moment Mm. with the the transition away from, I guess, more transactional approaches to e-com towards more kind of, I guess, uh, lifestyle or experience-led commerce and retail. I mean, this is not kind of unique specifically to e-commerce as well. I think we're seeing it more in, as well in the retail space with the likes of Lululemon, even Apple or um, mm. Culture Kings here in Australia is a really, mm. really good good example of that. Mm. So digging a bit deeper on experience-led e-commerce, 
you've listed off a couple of examples. How can early stage businesses or existing e-commerce businesses, I guess, utilize this uh, new tactic? Yeah, I think it's a really, really good question. And I've kind of built our agency all around that to a large extent. I read a few books that really kind of changed my perspective a few years ago, one being um, Design Thinking by Thomas Lockwood. Mm. Another one being Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Mm. Actually, there's a phenomenal, really, really good TED talk by Simon um, mm. where I think it's called Start With Why. And he it discusses... The, 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 he calls it the golden circle, this idea that there's, you know, a lot of businesses understand, you know, the what, what they do. Some businesses understand the how, which is kind of like your differentiating factors and things like that. Uh, very, very few understand the why. Mm. And I think it's really, really important to get a handle of that why because it kind of shapes and reorientates absolutely every other business decision that you're likely to make. And I think that's really, really important in the post-Amazon space because, you know, the e-com space in particular has become so increasingly commoditized. And if you look to the US market, Amazon's, you know, directly responsible for over 50% of all online transactions. Wow. And, and that should be blowing people's minds. Yeah. That's insane, right? Yeah. And then you've got people in Australia who are saying, well, they kind of flopped, you know, it didn't take off. And, you know, I... I'm not sure I really kind of agree with that. They're just getting started. Mm. You know, last year they increased their profit by 1,500% wow. locally. So, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say here is if you're competing on price or convenience alone, you know, mm. you're going to have to rethink your, your business strategy because, you know, that whether it's Amazon or somebody else, mm. that kind of old world business model isn't really kind of going to work so much. So this is why I'm saying we're starting to see this kind of shift away from the commoditization of the e-com towards this kind of experience-led, lifestyle-based brand with purpose. Mm. There's a really good Coco Chanel quote, you know, in order to be irreplaceable, you have to be different. Mm. So how do you go about differentiating yourself? One of the best ways to go about doing that is obviously first start with why, you know, yep. what is it about your brand specifically about you? Mm. Why are you different? Like, why should people care about you? Why should mm. they purchase from you as opposed to somebody else? What are the things that make you and your brand unique? Mm. And start with that. That's a really, really, really great place to start because unfortunately, I see a lot of businesses, they don't start with that and they start by kind of almost designing the solution first, which is a really, really common mistake. Uh, we get a lot of clients who come to us and they start saying, you know, I've got this great template that I've looked at or, I, you know, I'm thinking about using this kind of parallax effect or something <laughs> like that or can you just redesign mm. the iconic for me or something like that? And I just think that's a really, really, really terrible way to go about approaching e-commerce in general mm. because you're not asking all of those really, really important questions that I was just asking before. And instead, you're just trying to shoehorn your brand into some cookie-cutter pre-existing template or something like that. You're, you're always going to end up with lackluster results if that's your approach. Mm. So by starting with those why questions and really, really understanding your brand narrative and what differentiates you and giving people a reason to get excited about your brand, then you differentiate. Suddenly you're now no longer competing on price or convenience. You know, you're, you're in a completely, you're in rarefied air. You know, um, this is how you go about competing with the likes of Amazon. I think that's why we've seen this tremendous pivot recently away from that kind of commoditization and towards this lifestyle kind of based approach because frankly, that's what's required in order to compete mm. these days. 
Yeah, I have a good example of a guest that was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Zoltan from Citizen Wolf. I believe you know him as well. I, I was speaking on a panel with him just on Monday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he mentioned Simon Sinek's book and he mentioned the TED Talk as well, Start With Why. And I mean, his why is pretty powerful as well. So, he wants to be a sustainable fashion brand. You know, three out of 10 garments are going straight to landfill, never been worn, never been sold. So, he has a direct-to-consumer tailoring brand. And I mean, he's getting a lot of good traction because his why is so strong. So, I mean, Andy, do you have any examples of clients you've worked with that, you know, may have rethought things or come to you at the beginning and, you know, you've seen them transform their business with why? Yeah, I've got plenty of them actually. Mm -hmm. But I think Zoltan is a really, really good example of that. He's leveraging all of the kind of the levers that are really, really so critically important nowadays. He's got that why locked down. He's really he's really thought about that kind of sustainable kind of uh, approach. But more to the point, he's also kind of looking in towards kind of personalization mm. um, or as the way I like to frame it, customer intimacy. Um, I think when we, there's a lot of talk around kind of personalization at the moment and, mm. uh, and that's great. But I think when we just talk about personalization, uh, we almost think of it as kind of like a, a technology or as a tool rather than actually think about what that end goal is. And, and really what we're trying to do with personalization is we're trying to ensure that we're, we're just having that kind of one-to-one. We're not kind of falling into the trap of having that kind of one-size-fits-all mentality. A lot, with a lot of our clients, we're finding, for instance, that you know the top 4% of their clients are directly responsible for like 30% of their top-line revenue. So you really don't want to be speaking to that top 4% the way that you're speaking to the bottom 96%. Yeah. You really want, you know, and, and the way I like to kind of discuss this with clients is that if you had a bricks and mortar upper, uh, store, this would be readily apparent. You know, if somebody was coming into the, the store every day, mm. sure know their name, you'd probably be giving them, you know, a free gift every now and then, or you'd be giving them, you know, free delivery or something along those lines. Yet there's a lot of brands who are just kind of, that's a, it's a huge missed opportunity in terms of brands that uh, we're working with. We're working with the likes of Oxford Suits, Carlos and Patty. We do a lot in the kind of the fashion beauty lifestyle space. It's a real kind of like area of focus for us. And a lot of these brands, they're kind of, they're getting into this very much kind of personalization space where they're very focused on ensuring that that kind of omni-channel experience is prioritized. So in-store and online, bricks and mortar, we're trying to kind of, I think the way things are going is that that distinction between online and offline is becoming less and less apparent. Mm. Uh, we're just starting to see, you know, commerce instead of kind of e-commerce. Right. You know? So mm. I think that's an important shift. You know, everybody wants the, the gift cards to be able to be used both in-store and online. Want to be able to do things like click and collect, those mm. sorts of things. If clients, you know, we're looking at kind of interesting ways that we can use automation and personalization together. So if, for instance, a customer comes through and spends, you know, over $2,000 in a particular single transaction, we automate, you know, a notification through to the people in Pick and Pack to maybe write like a handwritten note or something like that, thanking Mm, them about the purchase. Just these little kind of value adds. Mm. Um, I think that's really where things are going. Yeah. So you touched on offline and online. What other sort of innovations are happening in this space at the moment? I mean, you always hear about the new sort of Bluetooth technology and people getting personalized offers when they walk in and stuff like that. Is this stuff actually 
making a difference and actually happening. And- oh, absolutely. You know, customer intimacy personalization is huge and it's becoming democratized to a degree. I think in, you know, a few years ago, this was really the purview of just like really, really large brands with big marketing budgets. But, you know, with tools like Shopify and things like that, now it's becoming increasingly accessible. And it's just little things. I mean, you go to ASOS now, for instance, go to their homepage and, um, you know, for the first time, it'll be gender neutral. And then the minute you click, you know, men's, for instance, Mm. all the communication, every time you go back to that site, for instance, it's going to default to the male gender, all the marketing comms and all the email newsletters after that are going to be, you know, gender specific. And Mm. that just makes sense. That's really, really helpful as a consumer. This is kind of you know, I think that's that these types of integrations are really, really sensible. You know, one of my personal peeves is like mm. when you're frequenting a store, spending a lot of money, and then you get one of those pop-ups that says, you know, 10% off your first purchase. Yeah. That's really, really <laughs> easy to fix that sort of stuff. It just mm. shouldn't happen, you know. Mm. Um, it might just be something as simple as being allowing customers to check out in their native currency or in their mm. native language. These mm. sorts of things are becoming like really, really simple now. Or it could be really sophisticated in the sense of we're starting to do things with kind of advanced merchandising now. So based on location, geography, weather conditions, like think Mm -hmm. about Australia, it's a big continent, right? So, you know, the weather conditions up in Cairns, very, very different to the weather conditions down in Hobart. And you might want to start merchandising your product range accordingly. Mm. Similarly, you can start getting really, really sophisticated in terms of like how people are actually interacting with your site. So if somebody starts... I don't know, searching for a red skirt, for instance, and then they click over through to tops. You might want to start prioritizing red tops towards the top because they've given Mm. you some information there. So we can actually, I mean, this sort of stuff sounds crazy complex and really, really difficult to achieve, but it's actually relatively straightforward now with off-the-shelf tools. Mm. So for early stage e-commerce businesses, I mean, personalization to those guys, it might just look like first name in an email or something like that. I mean, we've talked about some more advanced tactics. What are some other things that those guys can start off with? I think the biggest probably tip I would have is to start looking at your email. Email is probably one of the single greatest kind of return on investments and it's Mm. totally underused, uh, underutilized. So if you've got like a big email list and you're sending out the one newsletter to all of your recipients, Mm. like stop that now. (laughs) That's not how you should be kind of going about sending your emails. You should be segmenting your advanced customer segmentation is where it's at. Mm. So actually going through that email list and trying to figure out like, you know, you might want to segment them by gender. You might want to segment them by, you know, what types of products they're into, whether it's um, shoes, whatever, whether they're bargain hunters, whether they're only ever purchasing things that are on sale. Sending out those customized bespoke emails to your customers is a really, really, really great way to get traction, particularly with regards to abandoned carts as well. Um, I think Mahabas have got a really, really kind of cool example of this. Uh, Mahabas do the slippers. I'm I'm a bit of a dag. I went and actually bought some myself. (laughs) And uh, yeah, their their abandoned cart sequence kind of just, yeah, it stopped me in my tracks actually a little bit. It was kind of, um, it says, hey, Andy, I'm... paraphrasing right hey andy notice that you um you left the lavic gray you know slippers or whatever in the cart i think it was in autumn when i did de- i'd done it and they had a picture of like an autumnal kind of with leaves on the bottom with somebody actually wearing the lavic gray saying mm. this is what you're missing out on kind of mm. thing they the photo wasn't taken in surrey hills which is where i'd kind of ordered and everything i was just like wow is mm. 
I set this stuff up professionally and even I was sitting there just thinking for a second, has somebody written this? <laughs> it took me a minute to realize I'd given them all that information, but it was mm. just so well-crafted and it made me kind of feel like, yeah. you know. So I think those sorts of things, thinking about abandoned carts, abandoned carts are great, you know. Mm. You just turn them on and that's suddenly, you know, average about, what are the stats around this? It's pretty huge. I think it's mm. like two thirds of checkouts result in an abandoned cart. Now, wow. just by turning on abandoned cart, like there's a button in Shopify, you can just turn it on and that'll um, claw back about seven to eight percent of those abandoned carts. So you can just press a button and you're just making a heck of a lot of money from the next day. Um, mm. And if you start doing kind of really, really sophisticated abandoned carts, you know, sending multiple emails, maybe walking up a discount ladder or we've seen clients get anywhere up to 20, 25%. Wow. So moving on from abandoned cart, what other type of conversion hacks are people using in 2019 to increase those sales? I don't know that I'd call it a hack so much. I think mm. the biggest thing for me is not taking that default cookie cutter approach to, mm. to building a website. So really, really, really thinking through your why, your brand narrative, and then thinking through, going through a wireframing process. I think this is a step or a phase of the mm. site build process that's often overlooked. And I think it's a huge mistake. I think it's really, really critical that you go through that process so that you're not actually getting sidetracked by, you know, everyone's got subjective opinions around colors, typography and things like that. But you're actually really, really thinking about the content, the mm. messaging, and try to do it for the mobile, mobile mm. first. Because with the really, really limited viewport that you have on the mobile, it's going to force you to be super, super articulate in terms of like your messaging, your content. And just due to the vertical nature of a mobile device, you're going to have to start prioritizing things in terms of importance. Mm. So they're all really, really good tactics to think about. And then when you're actually building out that site, you know, just don't take that cookie cutter approach. You know, when we're building out what we call product detail pages, for instance, we put a lot of information on those product detail pages, the types of things we're putting on there, lifestyle shots, for instance, you know, we want to see, you know, I think a lot of websites, they typically just have maybe the product shot, they've got a product description, variant selector, and an add to cart. Mm. You know, that's the bare minimum. You really want to be kind of expanding upon that. As I said, you want to be putting maybe an extended description, lifestyle shots. You want to show images of people kind of using the product, enjoying the product. You want to put on mm. FAQs is a really, really great one, right? Because what mm. you're trying to do on that page, think about all the cost that you've spent to try to get them through to that product detail page. If there's any residual doubt whatsoever, you want to try and kind of ameliorate that before it becomes an issue. Mm. So, you know, putting FAQs on that page is really, really important. Having clear information around kind of shipping and returns policies, they're mm. probably the two biggest causes of cart abandonment. Mm. So you want to make sure that they're addressed. And then UGC, social proof, uh, user-generated content, these sorts of things, super, mm. super important to be having on those product detail pages so mm. that... Uh, People can, you know, hear from others that, you know, it's a good product. It's doing mm. what it, you know, works as advertised and so on and so forth. Mm. And what about video and e-commerce? I was at the Zappos headquarters in uh, South Las Vegas a couple of years ago and they made a video for every single shoe that they had. I think something like 300,000 product videos. A lot of the staff were doing it themselves. Have you seen many success with Video and e-commerce? Video is huge. Um, yeah, I should have talked about that straight away. I mean, this is kind of dovetailing into that experience, experiential lifestyle. I mean, we're biologically tapped to respond to narrative and mm. storytelling. And there's no better way of delivering that kind of immersive experience that really kind of 
getting people kind of on the hook emotionally than video. However, you've got to be really, really careful about how you go about using it, you know. On e-com sites, you know, if it's on the homepage or something like that, you know, you want to keep it under 30 seconds because mm. you don't want people kind of shifting or transitioning from that lean forward experience where they're going to take an action, click on something into that kind of lean back experience like you might have when you're watching television or something like that because you're effectively switching off at that stage. Mm. You know, if you've got a two, three, four minute video, next thing you know, the kids are screaming out and you've missed out on a kind of a sale. Mm. However, if it's something on a blog content or an about us page, yeah, go nuts. You can, you mm. can put a three, four minute video or something along those lines. Mm. And then we've talked a lot about Shopify so far. So when you're actually choosing a platform to start your e-commerce business, I know you might be a tad biased towards Slightly. Uh, Shopify. Slightly biased, but <laughs> no, no, no. It's a really, really important critical decision to make. And the way I see, you probably there's three options at the moment. You could go to a marketplace, the likes of eBay, Etsy, or something like that. It's a really, really good way to go about validating your idea, your product mm. fit. And that's something we can talk about in a little bit as well. In addition to that, you've got self-hosted platforms, the likes of Magento, WooCommerce, you know, 3D Cart and all those types of things. And then you've got your SaaS-based platforms. And, you know, I think we've seen a big shift over towards the SaaS-based platforms purely just because they abstract away a lot of the complexities that people really don't want to be dealing with for the most part on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Um, so things like security, for instance, you know, things like infrastructure, just mm. having to deal with and manage kind of a server on an ongoing basis that can be that can be a real drag or a real kind of pain for people who aren't that way inclined however there are trade-offs so you really do need to kind of think through what's right for you so with a self-hosted platform like your woos and your um, magentos you've got direct access to the underlying code and architecture so mm. In some ways, they can be really, really, really super, super flexible. But that can also be a curse because mm. then you're kind of just adding complexity. And with complexity, oftentimes comes cost. Mm. But it is absolutely critical that you get that platform right because yeah. uh, we've obviously seen the, you know, the aftermath of you know, <laughs> big companies making the mm. wrong decision and then they've got to do very, very costly migrations. Mm. So as you mentioned, before the platform comes validating your product, and I mean, even Etsy did this in a way before they launched their marketplace. They went out to markets in New York and, you know, tested to see if their unique value proposition was resonating with customers. So you mentioned eBay, you mentioned a few other sites. What other ways can people validate their product before they actually choose a platform and go all in? Such a good question. I think there's loads of ways you can go about validating a product. But the first thing is to look at the market vertical as a whole. And actually see whether it's like, see what the competition looks like in that space. Mm. See whether there's a gap in that space. See who the customers are in that space. You know, like it's this year, uh, millennials are tipped to overtake boomers. And that's, you know, as a demographic. So if you're marketing to boomers, just be aware of the fact that that's going to be a declining market. You know, Mm. I do feel as though boomers are kind of somewhat underrepresented on the e-com kind of in the e-com space. But, you know, you just want to be mindful of these sorts of things. Mm. there are plenty of tools that you can use to like Google Trends is a good one mm. just to see, you know, how things are kind of, you know, what's going on in the fidget spinner space, you know, and, uh, <laughs> you know, you can use the Google's keyword planner tool as well, I think is a really good way to just kind of see, you know, what products are hot and moving. Another really, really great option is to go on to just go onto Amazon and see what's, mm. what's selling, what's popular, yeah. you know, and that'll tell you some, some good moving products. And then you're obviously mm. going to want to put your spin and your brand on it as well. But are there any kind of external factors that you might not have considered? We've got a client, I can't really talk about 
in a heap of detail, but you know, they had a particular product that they were hoping to um, manufacture in China and market directly to through to the States. And unfortunately, you know, two weeks before we launched the site, the trade war kind of kicked off. Wow. And overnight, their whole business model became flawed. Wow. Yeah, it just didn't work. So they had to can the idea. And, mm. they, you know, this is two weeks before launch. Lots and lots of thousands of dollars spent. So, I mean, that's not necessarily something that they could have kind of foreseen, but it's, mm. you know, you've got to be mindful of this, some of these external factors as well. Yeah. And what about the future of e-commerce? Where are we going to be in 10 years besides, you know, delivery via drone, hopefully? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> delivery via drone. I'm all for it. I think it'll be cool. Um, I think we've touched on two major um, elements. I think differentiation is going to be a huge big thing that we're going to start to see, I think, because we're kind of moving away from that kind of homogenous approach to commoditized e-commerce towards building out experiences. So you can't build out an experience with these kind of cookie cutter sites that kind of used to cut it. I don't think that's going to be the case. I'm not advocating or suggesting we're going to be heading back towards the days of Flash when every site had a kind of Uh a big kind of uh, splash page, an intro sequence or anything like that. A 10-second intro, you don't miss those. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think we're going back to that kind of thing. But um, I definitely think sites or the successful sites out there are going Mm. to be really kind of built around that brand, around that Mm. narrative. I think we're going to start to see, you know, really, really nuance storytelling and the like. And I think customer intimacy, as I was saying, Mm. I think getting that direct one-to-one communication with your customer, being able to deliver the right message at the Mm. right time to the right person, you know, understanding your why, you know, as Simon Sinek says, it's, um, you know, people don't buy what you do, they buy Mm. why you do it. Yeah. So I think we're going to start to see more of that. And then obviously you get just the big data stuff, which kind Mm. of feeds into that. So I think you're going to see lots more in the way of AI. Mm. Chatbots are starting to really pick up a bit of steam. I think automation is huge Mm. for bigger companies. Just being able to automate those mundane tasks so that you can actually scale effectively is going to be huge for those growing businesses. Yeah. I mean, we've touched on a few tools so far, but I mean, what kind of email service provider do you guys recommend and are there any other tools maybe under a hundred dollars that you've used personally that have made a big difference in your yeah yeah, yeah absolutely the two main kind of e-commerce service providers that we utilize is one is called Clavio, and they're based out of boston they're phenomenally really really great and the other one that we really really like at the moment is dot digital um very very similar to Clavio, but they've got a local support staff here in in australia which makes a big difference mm. um so no they're really really great and there's obviously mailchimp as well but mm. i guess a lot of the clients that we tend to work with are probably just they've probably outgrown mailchimp mm. to a certain degree and looking for those kind of slightly more advanced feature sets that are orientated more specifically towards ecom mm. And at Process Creative now, what what do you wish you were more of an expert in at the moment? Uh, lots of things. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're trying to scale at the moment. We've grown rapidly in the last three years. You know, we've probably added 15 staff or something along those lines. And uh, I wish I was, you know, you know, with scaling comes complexities. It's, mm. it's tough. So um, just trying to kind of maintain all those things that made process what it is mm. um, and just doing it on a larger scale. Other things probably be the, um, the financial side of things. You know, I'm, yeah. I come from a creative background. <laughs> that's my kind of shtick. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I've been really, really fortunate. We hired a, a really good CFO who's come in and I think that's probably one of the biggest key learnings for me is, you know, don't try to do everything on your own. Mm. Um, 
if there's a gap, you know, find people who are more knowledgeable about those sorts of things that you trust and bring them on board, you know? Yeah, definitely. And what has you most excited about e-commerce? I think that just in general, I think it's a really, really, really exciting place to be. I think most professionals would agree that we're in a tremendous amount of change at the moment. The whole industry as a whole is shifting, it's transitioning. I don't know whether anyone can say exactly where that's going at the moment, but it's definitely heading towards that kind of more experiential. I think sustainability is going to be huge. People are really mm. starting to, you know, vote with their wallets. Yeah. Uh, and I think we're going to start seeing far more initiatives based around sustainability, you know, brand with purpose, that sort of thing. Mm. But the things that have got me excited particularly is really coming up with different solutions to very, very specific problems for our clients, you know. I think we've got such a big toolbox nowadays of apps and technologies and things like that. And I think sometimes people just get carried away with the apps, mm. you know, and just they go, particularly with your Shopify app yeah. store, it's massive. And they just yeah. start downloading them and kind of installing them and things like that. Again, I think that's not the greatest approach. I think you, you really kind of want to, you want to think about, well, what kind of problems are we having as a business? Mm. And then finding the right tools to be able to actually resolve those. Mm. Um, I think we're getting better and better at that every year in terms of coming up with unique strategies and really kind of improving clients' bottom line as a result. Mm. Well, Andy, wanted to thank you for all the value that you've dropped to the audience so far. A lot of resources that everyone can find at metagy.com forward slash podcast. And you had something special that you wanted to put in the show notes as well? Yeah, I did. Thanks, Brendan. I've put together just a, a little slide deck for containing some tips for e-commerce success, and they can be accessed by going to processcreative.com.au forward slash metagy. Perfect. I'll put that in the show notes as well. But yeah, I've learned a lot as well. Having an e-commerce store in the past, uh, wish I knew some of these things uh, back then, but definitely taking them on board for the future. So I wanted to congratulate you. You've made it to the abstract question <laughs> section of the podcast now. Two final questions that we like to ask guests. So the first question, if you could have a billboard, you can put it anywhere in the world, what would you put on it and where would it be? Wow, a billboard. So we're going offline. Yeah, offline. All right. This is definitely not my forte. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I would probably use something like the sky, like a bat signal or something <laughs> like that. Everyone can see that, right? Uh, and what would I put on it? I don't know. I think there's a lot of crazy going on in the world at the moment. There's a lot of kind of turmoil and stuff, just something to make people maybe a big smiley face or something. <laughs> I don't know, brighten people's day. Something positive. I like it. And the final question, Andy, are you ready for launch? I am indeed. Far away. Because you're on the first flight to Mars with Elon Musk and the first settlers aboard the SpaceX Starship rocket. So what business do you start when you land on Mars and how do you market it to the new Martians? I love this question because I'm a massive uh, Elon Musk SpaceX nerd. Well, you'll have two years on the ship with him to discuss on the way to Mars. Yeah, absolutely. No, I I, I watch all the launches and everything. I'm, oh, wow. I'm, I'm right into all of that sort of <laughs> stuff. I would uh, I, anybody who knows me knows the answer to this question already. <laughs> I, I would uh, I'd definitely start up a a Martian brewery. I think that'd be kind of cool. I'm I'm a bit of a kind of uh, a craft beer nut. I've got a brewery in my backyard with nine taps and uh, oh wow. I think some Martian hops and some Martian <laughs> barley. 
Uh, you just said after a two-year uh, trip, I think mm. the, I'd be wanting to sit back with a nice uh, cold yeah, beer. Very thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> Local ingredients as well? Are you going to bring them up from Earth? Oh, no, no. I think that would be half the fun, wouldn't yeah. it? Cultivating some, <laughs> some Martian hops and uh, whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be great. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks again, Andy, for coming in. All of Andy's resources you can find at metagy.com forward slash podcast and the special deck that Andy put together as well. You can find that at processcreative.com.au forward slash metagy. And Andy, anything you'd like to say to the audience before we depart and how can they find out more about Process Creative? Sure. I think we've kind of been talking about, you know, a lot of kind of complex topics in terms of personalization, in terms of, you know, narrative and making your site, you know, non-templatized and things like that. Definitely don't want to say that all of those sorts of things to put people off. You know, running a business is hard. An e-com business is hard. Running, managing people is hard. But on the flip side of that, it's never been more accessible. You can spin up a website for 30 bucks these days. You can, you know, download a theme and get up and running in under a day. You can validate your idea. It doesn't have to be perfect. You know, you can just get something out there and then just start iterating. So for those of you who are, you know, kind of thinking about, you know, where do I start with all of this? you know, I think just get out there, just start and then hustle and good luck to you. I think there's, this country's got some phenomenal, really, really great entrepreneurs and uh, we need more of them. Mm. Uh, in terms of uh, finding out more about Process Creative, probably the best place is just to head to our website, uh, yeah. processcreative.com.au or you can uh, hit me up on uh, LinkedIn, Andy Homan. And uh, I think you can also find us on Instagram at uh, search for Process Creative. I'm sure we're up there somewhere. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes as well. And once again, thank you for coming on, Andy. It's been fun. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Brendan, for having me. From Medigy, you've just listened to Forward Thinking. Again, I'm Darren, and Medigy hopes we helped you find more insights and tips into your business. To find out more about Medigy and get a listener-exclusive three-month free trial, visit us at medigy.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, go and check out some more episodes. If you like what you heard, please share a link to another business owner or marketer who you think could get something from this. Also, to help us out, it would be great if you left a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Last, never miss another episode by following or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast player. See you on the next episode. <laughs>